WFAE's David Borex has the story. Tariq Bakari and Larkin Eggleston call their podcast R&D in the QC. Eggleston says they hope to reach people who may not pay attention to the council. Eggleston is 35 and a Democrat. Bakari is a 37-year-old Republican. Despite their political differences, they bonded on the campaign trail in part over their beards, says Bakari. The beards themselves are what truly united us in the beginning. They hope to be an example of how to debate productively across the political divide. Episode 61, we catch up on the last two weeks, including the officer-involved shooting body cam video, and we give you a sneak peek of May Madness. Ladies and gentlemen, episode 61 of R&D in the QC. With me as always, the trusty one, the sidekick of all sidekicks, Larkin Eggleston. How are you, sir? I am fine, and I can see your uh, vacation has not made you any more funny or intelligent. It's made me a lot more of both, in fact. I think everyone would argue that. Um, We haven't been on the air here live Per se, we've had some some after the district uh, three uh, candidate seventeen uh, days showcase, ago, seventeen days ago, or somewhere uh, That's when we recorded it, and then we had launched it after that. But you know, it, it's been a while. It has. Um, I've missed. It's been some quiet. Things. It's been quiet around here. It's been, you. <laughs> it's been quiet. Uh, I'll tell you, I I was on. So I was I was on CMS spring break last week. I guess I'm the only one he's, who he's like Billy Madison. He's still finishing at CMS. Well, yeah, you know, but it, I'm I'm on I'm on track to graduate. Thirty thirty eight year senior. So now we're in the my, my oldest son is is now kind of right in the in the mix of CMS. So uh, as a as a kindergartner. So now we are we're newly in that spring break um, time frame. So we went to Destin, Florida. Uh, uh, LSU and Louisiana Lafayette's uh, spring break uh, coincided with our trip. I feel certain that you tried to pretend to be a college student. No, no. My wife made sure uh, I didn't. You kept your distance. I, I kept my distance. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, we're going streaking. <laughs> yeah. I, she let me play three. You think KFC's still open? <laughs> she, she allowed me to play three rounds of beer pong um, uh, uh, with the, with the students. But that was it. I'm definitely envisioning Will Ferrell in old school. Yeah, it was like, hey, what are us kids doing tonight? They're like, what's wrong with you, old man? <laughs> Um, but that was a lot of fun, a lot of good family time. I kind of need a vacation after that, but I, I, you know, I, today's tonight's episode, we're going to walk through the last two weeks or so, but most yeah. notably, you know, there was, a, there was a, a big, a, a, a lot of movement on the officer involved shooting last week of, yeah. of which I was a little bit anxious for being so far away during it. But thanks to you and, and a couple others for keeping me posted and up to date along it. So we thought what we do is kind of, you know. Let me ask you some questions. I'm somewhat up to speed, but you know, go through it and, and kind of walk me through where we are and, and, and what's going on. Yeah, and we'll acknowledge there. We did just finish a meeting tonight. We had a business meeting. There really wasn't a very meaty meeting. It's actually easily the shortest meeting we've had the entire term. We were out of there right at like eight o'clock. So well, we could have been out of there a lot earlier. There was some. Uh, there was some. So why don't we start there? Like, it, it, we'll go. We'll go into the the. Uh, events of last week but start there is it healthy given where we are in the process in your opinion for everyone to be kind of you know giving their speeches on you know what they think the flaws and the failures are of this given the fact that 
you know, we're still in the middle of it. And how many spokesmen do we need on this kind of topic? Well, one thing, and I've said to multiple media outlets that have asked all of us these questions, um, and I am glad that none of our colleagues did tonight, we'll start out with what most anybody who's paid any attention to this knows, which is that counsel was shown an 11 minute, uh, was shown the entirety of the body cam video from the officer, uh, who did shoot Mr. Franklin at that Burger King a couple weeks ago. That was about 11 minutes. What we didn't know as we were seeing that was that it was not the same length of video that the media was going to receive and that the public was going to see, which was about two and a half minutes of video. Um, my understanding is that the the statute and the request that was made was to see the immediately before, during, and immediately after the incident. So maybe that two and a half minutes met that threshold legally, but for a city who's trying to be more open and who's trying to build trust in the community and for CMPD, who's trying to be more open and build more trust in the community. Um, we need to take those kind of decisions out of our hands. It should have been all put in front of the judge. The judge should have made a decision on what was going to be released. The judge only saw the two and a half minutes. He ordered that two and a half minutes released. Everyone, no one exactly knew that, that the full video was out there. Um, it, it was not ideal and it's, it might've, and I, I genuinely believe it was an honest mistake, but it was a mistake nonetheless. Now, given that the judge has well, that, not I mean, yet the, released that 11 there. minutes. Pause there. Cause you, you go on to the judge a second. That might've been an honest mistake, but that was in my opinion, an, an absolute avoidable mistake yes. that controls should absolutely be in place. I mean, there shouldn't be multiple versions and somebody making, I mean, that, uh, that to me is is almost inexcusable that we created a problem that didn't exist by a lack of control and process. Yeah, and when you want to build trust, one of the best things you can do, and, and the chief has made clear and council has made clear that this needs to be the policy going forward, is take that out of our hands. Get, let a third party make the decision on what's relevant, what meets the legal threshold. Right. Uh, why, by, by retaining ownership of that decision, uh, in in the case of CMPD here, you've opened yourself up to, even if it was an honest mistake, and again, I think it was, you've opened yourself up to very fair criticism uh, that you're hiding something, that you, you don't ever put everything out there. Put it all out there. Let the judge decide. Where we're at now is that Chief Putney has now petitioned the court to release the full 11-minute video. He'll be in front of the judge tomorrow um, making that case. And um, it could have been done earlier, but it was a holiday weekend the court was out i guess on friday and potentially today as well um so anyway so it could be released as early as tomorrow and the entire council has said we think it should be released but what i think it is very inappropriate and i have not entertained the idea of is discussing what was in the additional portions of the video prior to a judge ordering its release thankfully none of our colleagues did that tonight um you know the video whether you're talking the two and a half minutes or the 11 minutes, you know, there are questions that, that I think it raises. I think there are policy and procedure um, changes that we probably need to consider, but there's also two processes going on right now. There's an internal investigation of CMPD and there's an external investigation that the DA's office will do uh, to determine if there's any criminality in this act uh, on the officer's So part. we should hear that probably in a couple months. The, well, the out, out I think the from internal there. is probably done like this week or next the week. DA. But it's the internal CMPD. Right. The DA is going to be that kind of think, final voice in this. Yeah, and I don't think the internal investigation results are come out until the the DA's investigation 
does as well. I think that all comes out together, if I understand correctly. But so we're buddies with the DA, those good have, dude. But you, you think those have this is his played first, out though. This is his first really big item of this type of nature since he's taken this role, right? Yeah, probably with this level of attention. But I, I think that and and. I certainly do. I think you do too. Have an immense amount of trust in Spencer Merriweather, yeah, district attorney. Um, so even for people who are prone to distrust the police department and, and what they might feel will potentially, they might not think that it's a thorough internal investigation. I have confidence it will be, but there is an external investigation that the police are not involved in. And so um, again, I think we've got a phenomenal district attorney and Spencer Merriweather that's got to play out to some degree. We can't, Absolutely. we can't have a debate around. I think we can, we can start to consider some of these policy and procedural um, changes that might be appropriate. But for us to have a public debate about the nuance and the details, when we don't even have all the details, we've not yet seen things like the witness statements from the Burger King. There's a lot of evidence. I, I wish that the law were such that, all the evidence could come out to us and the public all at one time. Yeah, and but no one has the patience. No one has the patience for that because it takes time, yeah. and that that's the problem right now. Everyone that the, all the media outlets are are rabid to get the information. I understand why. That's how the system is set up. They they want to be the ones to break certain pieces of news and all that. But what that does is it forces this kind of this frenzy of everyone needs to get pieces of information out, and then it's not correct. Or for things that are that you know they're, they're making big assumptions and it's not part of the entire picture. And if it's not incorrect, it's just incomplete. Exactly. And and what ends up happening is this thing gets tried in the court of public opinion without the complete picture, and it just ends up harming our city, our community, and the people that deserve the correct answers. Uh, in the end, I mean, it's just that part of it's really frustrating to me. So while you were gone, I guess it was. I guess it was last Monday, a week ago today, that we saw the video. It got released to the public. Well, back backtrack for one second before that, because right. some of our some of our listeners and uh, and watchers on social media here, live streaming, that they either may have heard about this tangentially, or they might not be from around here and don't exactly even know what we're talking about. So, long story short, right? How how long ago has it been now? Did we discuss the? Did we discuss it when it happened? Because it's, it's been like three weeks, um, maybe even pushing a month. But there was a there was a gentleman in a Burger King on Beatty's Ford Road. Um, he had a gun. He there were calls that came in to nine one one that he was threatening. I don't know if his employees or patrons or both. Um, Which multiple, we heard the calls. Nine one one calls. 9-1-1 calls. Um, police respond, and the second officer to respond. Um, within about a minute of arriving on the scene and, and 17 or so commands to Mr. Franklin to put down his gun, um, fired two shots and, uh, and Mr. Franklin was killed. So we've heard the 911 calls. We've now seen that officer, the shooting officer's body cam video. Um, we should acknowledge the other officer did not have any body cam video from that incident. That will be part of the investigation. That's been talked about a lot. That is certainly um, not acceptable. We don't know exactly how that circumstance played out, that the officer either didn't have on the body cam or didn't forgot to turn it on or something, but um, that would certainly be a breach of protocol and, and procedure. Uh, we don't have all the details on that yet, but, um, but no, that is not acceptable. 
So, um, so a week ago, the judge ordered the two and a half minutes that he was shown to be released. And, and presumably he didn't know that there was an 11 minute video cause he wasn't shown an 11 minute video. Um, he, he has been now or will be tomorrow. There was certainly a lot, there was a several organized events being held throughout the city last Monday night, including a large one at Marshall park. And so we had made, the mayor came out with many of us literally standing behind her in the uh, government center courtyard that earlier that day and made a statement. Uh, the video was released. We had arranged during our zoning meeting last Monday for a couple council members to leave the meeting for a period of 45 minutes to an hour, uh, be shuttled out to some of these community events. We tried to get to the ones in our own districts when possible and just be present, not be there to speak, not be there to, to try to make any sort of a case one way or the other, just to be present and to listen. Um, that was one of the things that we felt like it was going to be really important to people was to know that we care to know that we're there. We're listening. We want to work with people to, to get better. And, um, council member Winston and I went over to Marshall park for, uh, for a bit, there were 75 or hundred people there, very passionate, uh, declarations of, of, of distrust and of frustration and, and certainly rightfully frustrated folks. And, but ultimately what do you mean rightfully, well, frustrated? rightfully frustrated that I think that regardless of if this investigation determines that, uh, that officer's shooting was justified, I think that even then it's still an unacceptable outcome for us to have people losing their lives. There's on a bunch of levels we can do better to not have those sort of endings. No, no doubt. But at the, I, 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 let me start by saying, I totally agree with you, but you know, where's the other side of the cries for, for change and awareness and all that stuff. Not just, I mean, we've been doing these same cries and we need to do it towards CMPD, towards the training to make sure that people understand de-escalation yeah. tactics, understand mental health problems. But where's the where's the public service announcement to the community of if you have a gun and you are being told to drop it or whatever it is, like don't wait 45 seconds. You know, I mean, I'm just saying, I'm not saying no life should be lost in that situation. But we should be putting just as much emphasis on the community's responsibility in those high stress danger scenarios as we do to the police officers who have all this training and who are just trying to do the best while also not die themselves. So part of it, and and I don't want to veer into a rabbit hole here, but I mean, part of it is at some point there's going to have to be a discussion and it's not going to happen at city council, mind you, but there has to be a discussion around the gun laws in this country. I mean, it, I don't know yet, and maybe we will at some point, maybe we won't, whether Mr. Franklin had mental health issues or was having a mental health crisis in that moment. Um, but, you know, how did he have access to that weapon? Had he not had that weapon, that situation would have certainly gone a lot differently. So I think there's got to be a conversation around uh, reasonable gun laws in this country um, that protects the Second Amendment but keeps guns out of the hands of people with mental health issues, background checks, whatever. I don't disagree with that. It, it, you know, there we probably we probably find ourselves on more common ground with gun laws because I know you're you you're not someone who's afraid of guns, but you're for common sense stuff like you know somebody who has mental problems should not be able to go get a gun. But it frustrates me also when when folks take topics like this and infuse them 
with another agenda. I, I know that's not what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, that's the first, you know, time, uh, first time in three weeks I've mentioned gun control when talking about this issue. But, I mean, that is an overarching thing that, that has to be discussed as far as how can you change. I mean, part, most of what we've been talking about, I think this was your point, is focused around how do we make changes on the officer side of the equation. There have to be changes on the other side of the equation, exactly. too. That is one of them, I and think. And the chief has been saying that for, um, consistently for a while now. But, you know, I think... You know, I don't know. It's that that's a big part of it to me. And I, I just think now, too, we've there has to be at some point be a review, because as many people have noted, when you slow this video down, which, again, the officer doesn't have the, the benefit of being able to slow the situation down in the moment. Uh, we do. We've got a video that's relatively high definition and we can pause it and rewind it and watch it 12 times. And But it did look like he was potentially trying to comply by putting the gun down. And yeah, so, but that's like you said, it's easy for us to yeah, freeze frame but, and look at this now, but like you've got so a guy who you, hasn't responded for 45 seconds to orders to do things, and now all yeah. of a sudden he's mumbling and doing something. And, you know, I mean, we yeah. can judge, be Monday morning quarterbacks The first time on you see all it in real all time, day. it's hard to know yeah. what's going on. I'll tell you, I, I can't um, imagine being the officer no. in that situation. But, but and, again, and, and not to say like, it's more about how do we get better. And so I, I think in that situation, and I'm I'm being a bit presumptive now, but I think that there's a possibility the man had the weapon at that point in his waistband or something to that effect. If that's the case and you say drop the gun, drop the gun, drop the gun, and he, to drop the gun, has to reach for the gun. And I think that could be what happened. So then do we look forward and say next time, maybe instead of drop the gun, it's show me your hands. Something to that effect where you, if the man's not, if, if you can't tell if he's holding the gun or not, if you're telling him to drop the gun, he's got to go get it. So again, I, we don't we don't need to try this on the podcast. There's, we don't yeah, need to there, try this before. There's no there's no doubt in my mind that there will be opportunities to learn on the CMPD side and incorporate those learnings into training. All I'm saying is we've been consistently doing that year over year, and we're really good at that. And we should have credit for that. Not everyone's going to act perfectly every time, but we learn and we train, and we can all you can always do better training. We don't do anything on the community side in this front. We don't go out and put these PSAs out there on, if you are going to have a gun, right, and get this into the minds of the people who, who find themselves in these situations – you, you need to comply. You are putting your life in danger if you decide to wait, if you decide to have a conversation, if you decide to do anything yeah. like that. Now, I understand mental, yeah, mental disorders is a, different, is, is, is a different situation. Com- I get that. Comply, comply and, and have, fight the fight later about you know how things went down. But yeah, I, I'm not sure that Mr. Franklin was in a, in a mental state to, to necessarily follow instructions very carefully or clearly and maybe the instructions could have been more clear but um one thing i do want to address mark on our facebook feed has said uh cmpd chief was quick to comment day of the event now weeks have gone by without releasing the video i do want to reiterate it is a state law that dictates how body cam video is released that was passed in 2016 i believe and so a court uh in this case a superior court judge has to order the release of that video chief putney once someone petitions for it. Once someone petitions for it. Chief Putney can't do that unilaterally. The manager, the mayor, the council, none of us have the authority to release that video to the public. Only a judge, in this case, a uh, superior court judge. And usually they, they, they will wait, especially when it's part of an ongoing investigation, right? So that, that, 
that's another thing that frustrates me here. Like I get it and I want to make sure we have accountability and with accountability, you need the ability to view and see and question what you're being told. Right. Is that exactly how it went down? But it's like a lot of the folks, I, this is just a gut feeling who want these things in the public. It feels like there's less of a concern of, uh, I, I think I've heard the chief kind of say it in like this, where, you know, in these situations, you, depending on what side you fall, you almost see what you want to see in it. Right. Well, I think absolutely. See, and I mean, that, that's, that does nobody any good if you're coming in and trying to create something that fits your narrative rather than make sure that what is happening in what you're being told lines up with what actually happened. Yeah. I mean, the fact of the matter is it's, I think everybody, the one thing everybody on both sides of the, the argument would hopefully agree on is that it's a tragedy. Anytime somebody in our community loses their life that we should, we should aspire to better outcomes than that in these situations. And yes, that involves, all sides and all angles and all people involved in these situations to yield better outcomes. Uh, and we've got to analyze it from every one of those perspectives. Um, and I, I understand that the, the impatience that people say, well, if the DA's thing is going to take six or eight weeks, I don't want to wait that long for solutions. I don't think it means we can't be thinking about what could have gone better that day now. But I think for us to make, um, you know, very, very concrete assertions as to what did happen, what should have happened or what we should change before we've even got all the evidence is premature and and irresponsible. And it feels a lot like campaigning uh, when multiple people, I'm not calling singling any individual out when multiple people are out there, like, uh, you know, I demand this and I demand that and all these things like, like, let the professionals do their jobs. I mean, you know, that's why, the, that's why politics is is sometimes irritating to me. <laughs> but not you. You don't do that stuff, do you, Larkin? I didn't. I wished uh, I wished my friends Tracy and Jesse the uh, the best on the birth of their new child. You did good job. I tried Mar- to end let, this let, on a high note. Let's let's uh, let's finish up. On, Mark made another comment. Is the council concerned with the city's ability to fill all CMPD openings due to retirements, officers leaving? How does he, how do we attract it in light of events like this? Uh, I think Adam also said a big reason I hear experienced officers not wanting to go to CMPD is because of the council and local government. I mean, it's a good point. Like this is already a thankless job, and the new normal of the last five to seven years has made it like not only a thankless job that's for low pay, but it's also now, you know, think about this officer, a female officer, 20 plus years on the force now is now is in this public spotlight where her name is, is going to be forever associated with this. I mean, this has to affect an already very challenging recruitment and retention situation we're facing. Yeah. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's unique to Charlotte. I mean, Police, just big democratic cities. Well, police work in general is, is something now that certainly can't seem as appealing to the average person as, as it might've 20 years ago or whatever. Um, so I I don't know what the answer is to that. I mean, we, we cannot like we do. I mean, and and here's the difference. We hold everybody, all 8,000 employees of the city of Charlotte responsible for the decisions they make, the actions they take. And if something goes wrong, um, the difference is that when you're talking about police, when something goes wrong, sometimes that means someone lost their life. If something goes wrong, you know, this council as they should, and every council holds their employees 
uh, or the people that work at the city responsible when something goes sideways it's usually a construction project or a contract or a business recruitment or something that you kind of brush yourself off and move on to the next one when something goes wrong in a police encounter it can mean somebody loses their life so it's it's a different level of stakes i don't know how you solve that i mean we can't we can't stop holding people accountable if they make a decision that's out of the protocol and that's out of the policy and again that's not been determined yet but um we've got to hold people accountable we've got to ask questions we've got to try to improve our policies our procedures and our outcomes all the time but particularly in the wake of a tragedy like this at the same time we've got to do all that we can to appreciate and and properly compensate all the really phenomenal police officers that we have and the phenomenal people that want to be police officers we've got to find a way to to attract them to recruit them to retain them uh, and to pay them commensurate and, with their skill level. By all accounts, this officer was one of those. Phenomenal track record, 20 plus years of service. I mean, yeah, with like one one small infraction on her like resume. from with that, rec- that resulted in one day and that was like 19 years ago or something. So like, I mean th- this is the the if we don't do right by this officer, which, you know, I think there's two things. You, you blatantly well, did do, something do that makes right you a bad guy if you're and being an officer, or you didn't you didn't follow a, a part of the policy that was ingrained in you through training that you knew everyone knew in on the force the chief everyone knew that isn't what you say or do in those situations. The other scenarios are no one trained for that, or it was just it, and and you know then it's a training problem, or it's just the nature of the interaction, right? So I, I, when I look at that, you know, there are experts that will weigh in on all this and everything. The DA will do his job, but I can't imagine looking at that situation thinking, yeah, you know, maybe there's some light little things around the edges that could have been done better or differently. You're sitting there trying to do your best. There didn't feel like there was an ill intent. Well, no, we said, we talked that. about this a little when we were on flashpoint the other week, right after the original shooting happened, I think. Um, and I said, I, I don't believe any officer went to that scene or that hardly ever any officer goes to any scene with the intent that they hope they fire their weapon. I mean, no, I'm certain, not. <laughs> certain that's not what she was hoping was going to happen. I think though, and, and I'm less focused on, and not to say that there's not plenty of importance to it. Um, the internal and external investigations will determine that particular officer's decisions and, and whether they were in line or out of line, whatever. But to me, I think we have got to continue to absolutely press on getting more officers in, trained in crisis intervention, uh, dealing with people having mental health crises. We've got to continue to push hard for more and more and more de-escalation training. And I think that's what a lot of the community feels like they didn't see there, is they didn't see an attempt to de-escalate. And, and you and I don't understand all the policies and all the dynamics of, of a decision or the steps that are taken and something like that. But as a layman watching that, you don't, I don't see um, the deescalation that we, that we preach and that we, I know we teach. Um, So do we need to teach more of it? Do we need to teach different techniques and tactics? Um, Again, it's less for me about trying to villainize one person who made a split second decision and, and there'll be a determination made legally, whether that was the right or wrong decision. 
it's more about how do we improve? How do we keep, because it, the fact of the matter is that if you improve the outcome, you not only improve the outcome for Mr. Franklin, the next Mr. Franklin, who hopefully is not, uh, does not lose his life in that interaction. You improve the outcome for that officer too. That officer who had to fire her weapon or, or who did fire her weapon that day at Mr. Franklin, her life would be a lot better today if that had ended differently too. So I'm not comparing it and it's not even in a similar order of magnitude, to the the penalty that Mr. Franklin paid, but it improves the outcome for everybody. The officers don't go there wanting to fire the weapon. Their life is drastically changed for the worse because of that decision. Could, so, couldn't agree more. But bringing that back to you know the pragmatic world we live in, we're paying these folks forty five thousand, fifty thousand dollars a year. You know what, what? There's not enough hours in the week to have them train. You know all, all this time that we want on every single thing. Now we can enhance certain things about training, but like we've got to get, and then there's recruitment issues and retention issues on top of all that. It's just a, it's almost an impossible situation, which is why it can't just be a police department solution. Well, and I think part of the call to action needs to be that. And and it's interesting if anybody's ever heard, and I know there's plenty of folks in the community right now um, that are frustrated with our chief, but if anybody's ever heard Chief Putney tell his story about how he got into law enforcement, his motivation for getting into law enforcement was partly that he was frustrated with law enforcement. Who I can't understand who is frustrated with our chief in these situations. Well, if you then you've not logged onto Facebook since you. Oh, been I, out. I I know it's happening. But but I'm my just point like, is I don't understand. He got into it. law enforcement because yeah. he was frustrated. Exactly. He didn't see himself being represented. He was frustrated and he says he applied and, and kind of thought like, yeah, there's no chance. They're not going to give a guy like me a shot. And he got a shot and look at him now. He's chief of the, you know, one of the biggest police departments in the country. My point is that I, I hope that some of the people who are frustrated and who genuinely want to change policy and, and they want to, to, to see improvement um, in the way that we police our community. I hope some of those people will consider going into law enforcement. We need more people of color. We need more people who represent the immigrant community and speak different languages and have different backgrounds and different experiences and different, uh, you know, view on life. And, and, you know, I, I think that if people, the more the fr- the people who are frustrated with law enforcement will engage with law enforcement or, or participate in law enforcement, I think that improves outcomes. And, and we've got to have, we've got to have a police force that also looks more like our community. Um, and again, it's just, it's hard to recruit people because what, you know, what's the, what's the upside to going out and being a police officer? It's a di- I mean, that, that was one thing I learned last year when I did my ride along and had that whole experience, which is there's a new normal in, in, in being a member of the police department. And for the folks who have only been in for, let's say, less than six, seven years. It's the only normal they've known. But for the, for the officers that have been there longer than that, they remember a time when it wasn't like this. And, you know, it's just for them, I think that's where the morale is, is the, probably the lowest right now because they know it, it hasn't always been like this. Um, and that's not to say there, there weren't, you know, inherent problems then that needed to be solved. I'm just saying it, it was it was a there was a higher level of employee satisfaction in what they got to do for the low pay they did it for. And I, I just, I don't know where, how, where this ends, but it's, it's, we've got to figure out something. And, and it's the, it's the, the country's largest top 20 cities that are experiencing this mostly. 
Well, and, and, and Chief Putney points out frequently when in the wake of this and, and when he's talking about it in the community, you know, one of the things that changes, at least my perception, I, I grew up in a in a city, not as big as Charlotte, but a city nonetheless. Um, he says, look, we got young people now that immediately turn to guns when there's a, an altercation, when there's a disagreement, when there's a fight. I saw plenty of fights growing up um, at, my, at the schools I went to in Winston-Salem. I never, I never once knew of, and I'm sure it happened, but I never knew of someone bringing a gun onto school property. Did they fight instance. over cigarettes? Was that at it? At times. It was like, you've got Winston's, you've got Salem's, yeah. and then the, the crews broke out like more West Side a, Stories? I was more of a camel guy. <laughs> um, but, you know, there were fights, um, and there were, there were things that were probably also not the best way to handle a disagreement, but... A hell of a lot better than it is... Right. So I, I don't... Now on an average basis. And maybe that's just... Maybe I'm naive, maybe... It was different other places, but I do feel like the prevalence of gun violence is is a, at a different level than it used to be. Young people, especially, that have access to guns that feel either empowered or compelled or whatever the word is to to immediately go grab that gun when something's happening, instead of just having a fist fight or instead of you know having a, a an argument. But where's the that that's what blows my mind for this? Where's the energy? that we see directed towards city government and CMPD and the chief in the community around getting the message to those people. Where is that energy? I'm not trying to say it doesn't exist. I know there are groups out there doing great work about it, but it just doesn't feel like it has that critical mass of like, why don't we turn all that around to that part of the community? I I just don't, well, I don't, I don't think understand. It's, not, it's not all or it's not all one or the other. I mean, but the fact of the matter is if the call had come in and said there's an irate man in the Burger King who's who's yelling at someone or who's in a, a fist fight with someone, it, the whole thing would have probably played out very differently. So you introduce a gun into those situations and it immediately changes the entire dynamic. It changes the mindset of the responding officer and it and they it's going to, it's going to end up with a different outcome. So I, that's got to be part of the conversation too. Um, and, and many people in the wake of this have said, we should be mad that, that, uh, Mr. Franklin is, is deceased. We also need to be mad that, uh, a couple days later on North Tryon near Matheson, uh, a, a woman who had nothing to do with what was going on, um, was driving down North Tryon, a mother, a student, um, I think she was a nursing student and was caught in the crossfire of, of gang gun violence on North Tryon in like the broad daylight and was killed in her car as she was driving. Didn't know the people, had nothing to do with what was going on. We've got to be mad about that too. It, where, where, exactly. Where's the anger on that? So look, look at Mark's other question to you, Larkin. When you grew up and if a police officer told you to do something, you listened, you respected authority today. He's assuming you did. We're not sure. It's a coin flip if someone's going to listen. It's our society. I mean, I was, I, it's I was hard a, for me to disagree with that point. I was a bit of a of a delinquent in high school, so I'm not going to say that I necessarily always made the right decisions and, and always respected authority the way that I should have. I will say that you I have, sure as hell didn't didn't talk back to cops or do. Well, maybe I'm wrong, right? I don't know. I will. I will Winston say Salem, weird place, dude. Winston was interesting. I will say that. I have no doubt, though, and I had interactions with the police growing up. I mean, it wasn't anything serious. I also, again, I they weren't getting calls coming in saying somebody had a gun. It was idiot high school kids fighting each other. 
again, fist fights, which, you know, you might get your feelings hurt, but you, you woke up the next day. But I will say too, that the interactions I did have with police in high school, I'm certain they were different than interactions that my black friends in high school had with police. I mean, I know that I didn't come across to the average officer or just person in general as, as much of a threat as they might've perceived a similar size, similar aged. I can, I can, I can agree with that, but let me ask you this. I can agree with that, but, but have we skewed so far to try to auto correct some of those inequities in the system that now we've created that same group of people that now has a inherent disrespect that is getting people killed. Again, I, this particular situation, I don't know that it was a, a disrespect of not I, and this I'm, generally, I'm speaking and, and broadly I'm, and now. I'm, I'm not I'm, speaking of that, that this specific situation. And I'm, I'm putting details in the story that I don't know for fact, but my perception of that encounter with Mr. Franklin was there, there was a mental health crisis yeah. happening right there. So I don't know that that's disrespect. Yeah, let so me much. be very clear that I was, I, I didn't mean this scenario yeah. with him. I was speaking more broadly on that. Cause I, I would agree with you. I, but don't, I, do I don't think, think that's the case. I here. do think CMPD has made a, a valiant and, and, and I think an effort that should be applauded to be more, in the communities to be more on foot, to build relationships. I mean, I see officers in my council district all the time out with young people from a very early age at community events, shooting hoops with them, like hanging out with them. They, an overwhelming, almost an uh, overwhelming majority of our officers are out there building relationships in the community and building trust in the community. And, and they need to be applauded for it. And I think we do try to shine a light on those things that's how they'll build trust. And that's how if a young person at four or five, six years old is shooting hoops with a, a police officer and building a friendship with them, then they're not going to be as predisposed to view an officer when an officer walks in their neighborhood or knocks on their door or pulls them over as someone who's out to get them. On the flip side, the more time our officers are spending in the community with these young people, the more they're not necessarily going to be predisposed to view somebody as a threat. So I think we've got to continue that effort. Uh, I think CMPD has done a lot of really great work around that. We've got to keep that up because that's the only way people are going to view each other differently or people are going to view the police and police are going to view citizens in a different light. Um, I feel certain that's improving, but then an incident like this kind of some people, I think it, it washes away all the good that's been done uh, and we only are talking about one tragic incident. I'll tell you that the thing I hope is that, you know, we, we wait this process out. You know, we've got a mayor, a mayor's designed to be a spokesperson here for this. And I, I know, and cause I see her and I know, you know, the mayor doesn't go out and make kind of off the cuff comments. She thinks about them. She makes sure she gets it honed in. And during this time when it's unresolved, when, you know, there's still community angst, when there's still a family that is looking for answers, when there's still an officer who a 20 year vet on the force uh, is is going through a tough time. It hurts everybody when we have 11 other voices out there trying to, you know, soapbox or make their comment or even if it's in good, even if it's if it's for good reasons, it's still has more probability of hurting the situation than helping. I, I just, I hope that we all kind of 
you know, take extra care. It's one thing if we like kind of go off the rails a little bit and comment on Panther Stadium and what's going on, right? It's a total different thing in this scenario if we put a community at risk and we've seen what happens here when the community gets frustrated in these topics. Yeah. I mean, you and I've just spent 40 minutes talking about it, so I don't think we can say people yeah, don't have not, the right to talk so about it. Like, not, no, we're, I agree. We're just discussing the difference. Th- th- the difference, difference is there. They're we're not calling for to, to state as fact, things that we don't know yeah. for fact, um, or to, you know, postulate on what, what some ruling of a body that we don't have any control over is demanding going to be. change based on what we think is the scenario right here is the, is the wrong thing. to and do. And again, I think legislatively, and this might be something that we have to take up either this session or next session uh, as co-chairs intergovernmental, we need to have a very frank conversation with the folks in Raleigh and say, is this the best way for these things to play out? Shouldn't all evidence come out together so that it, there's the full context? Because when things trickle out and you got 911 calls one week and a video the next week and then eyewitness statements eight weeks later and, and people are trying to make sense of a situation when they've only got a couple of the puzzle pieces, that doesn't seem like a best practice. So I I wonder, too, if there's not some legislative fixes where these things can we can get everything out. It's a great um, point. I don't. I think there are members of the community that would absolutely go bonkers if they heard that was something we'd be considering. But I think it's right. Well, why? I mean, what, what would they be mad about? Because they want full transparency now immediately. That, that's what I'm saying. Well, I'm saying full transparency immediately in that it yeah. comes out together. Um, they don't have full transparency But that now. could be months down the road. It could. I mean, there's got to be a way. If we can release the body cam video without jeopardizing the criminal investigation, there's got to be a way we could release like eyewitness statements and other contextual pieces of evidence without I jeopardizing mean, it, the case. It, I think it would be case by case, but I think for very complex things, it could be months. And well, I, I mean, and maybe maybe each case has to be treated um, uniquely. I don't know, but there, this, the way this played out is is partly error on the city's part as far as uh, or cmpd or again we don't even know exactly uh, how it played out or how this happened this way but for city council to have seen more than the public saw and for the judge to have not seen the full thing like that's crazy that was an error yeah i think it was it was an honest error but it was an unforced error and we're being rightfully criticized for it we've will we will change our policies around that from now on i think council and the chief will mandate everything goes to the judge put it in the judge's hands let the judge decide but there, there might be fixes at the state level too. This is a state law that we're trying to comply with and we screwed up our compliance with. So maybe part of it is evaluating the state law and how do we improve that too? Mm. So there's, there's got to be improvement on every front here. Um, we could have all handled this better, maybe in the moment, certainly after the fact. Um, we can get better as a city council, as a city government, as a police department, maybe as a general assembly. Um, but it's not going to be we can't we can't make those determinations of what changes have to be made Until before all the evidence yeah, is out yeah, there absolutely 100 um, and and i know that's frustrating for people all right i think we adequately talked this one up here what else happened um the only other thing i would if we're going to end on a light note um the may madness city employee basketball tournament is back and the fab five uh, Targ, Bakari, Larkin Eggleston, Matt Newton, Justin Harlow, and Braxton Winston. Coach. With Coach James Smudgy Mitchell is back as well. Dude, I was draining trays over the weekend, was I not? You were. That was uh, that was unexpected. <laughs> it was. <laughs> you weren't. You weren't doing much of anything else. <laughs> well, yeah. But you hit a bunch of threes. You know, a lot so of threes. We had a little practice on Saturday. Uh, 
Justin the Hitman Harlow was unable to join us at that practice, but uh, he coach, just, he's like he's like uh, but he's also the best like basketball player. He just like shows up late, you know. Yeah, I bet Steph Curry doesn't show up. Late. No, did watch sixty minutes from last week, man. Yeah, the week before last, Steph Curry always shows, shows up late. That's disappointing. Yeah, um, yeah. Justin is the best basketball player on our team, so he, uh, I guess, you know, he doesn't need the practice. Matt as Newton much as is this. surprisingly good too. Well, he's in shape. He just works really hard at it. He's in shape, which yeah. is a which makes a big difference. It does, uh, particularly in a game like basketball. Yeah. yeah. But um, our practice went well. Our first game is Friday at three. Mm. It's it's now you're the tech guy here. You might be able to help people navigate this. I don't know how it works. Apparently, the games are going to be live streamed on Periscope. Yeah. So, how would people watch that? Will there be a link? I think that that Do you also has an the ability. App or- is well, it just like a website link? Young people. That has the ability know to also flow into, I think, multiple uh, other platforms like Facebook and things. But um, If you know how Periscope works, it'll be on there. Um, there's been some discussion about doing it on Facebook Live. Or you can come to the game. So Friday at 3, we'll be playing at Second Ward High School, which is on MLK, near the corner of MLK and... I think Davidson. It was this round last year that we beat down Charlotte Water very badly. Then we were beaten down very badly by CMPD yeah, uh, on a, a team one. on a team that included a six-year NFL veteran. Yeah, um, he who, got one look that Braxton Winston was on our team, and he was like, "I'm coming in." I got it. I'm coming in. I'm high. gonna guard that guy. <laughs> um, and then um, and then we had some scheduling issues and ended up having to forfeit a game because we didn't have enough players and we were out of the tournament. So we went one and one in games we actually played last year. This is our redemption tour. Our first, our first game Friday at three, is against the Moneyballers. I believe they're called. It's a mix of guys from finance, engineering, and property management and budget. Great name. It it is a good name. You know, I, I don't want to talk trash until I get to lay eyes on these guys, but it doesn't sound intimidating, dude. Those, yeah, everyone's going to be real. Watch, like, gonna be like the most, most jacked finance guy yeah, ever. Yeah, that's true. Um, it's going to be like a lot of Pistol Pete's, you know. <laughs> well, that that doesn't bode well for yeah, us. It then. doesn't. It doesn't. Um, I it also does. I also got wind that the winning team last year from Charlotte Fire had a Division One basket former Division One basketball player on it, which I'm I feel certain should be against the rules. Yeah, absolutely. There is a talent threshold you should not be able to cross and yeah. play in this tournament. Yeah. But, um, it's Christian Leitner. So <laughs> my hope is that uh, if we win on Friday, which we intend to do, that uh, we do not then find ourselves in the next uh, next tier of the bracket against Charlotte Fire or Charlotte Police. So true. Those teams. I mean, those those guys and gals are in shape by design, and uh, and it, it doesn't doesn't go well for us when we play against people who are in shape. Dude, let me ask you another final question from my end. The greatest thing that happened over the last two weeks, do you know what that is? Game of Thrones? Have you been watching? I have never seen one minute of God. Game of Thrones. Uh, but How are you? Are you a human? I don't understand you sometimes. We, I, I'm not sure. All I know yeah, is I, it I seems so. like a good quarter to half of my Facebook friends must be into this show. Why don't you watch it? For a long time, I was like, "Why is everybody just writing the word God?" Oh, it comes it comes on after like seven p.m. So yeah, I'm can, asleep. So buddy. you're in bed. All right, you gotta uh, watch that, man. I don't know, like God fantasy type TV shows never were my thing. Like I was more of a real world action guy, a mm. James Bond type stuff. I couldn't watch the because they only have like dragons in that show. Yeah, man. Yeah, dude, you know how long dragons have been extinct? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we, we were. <laughs> 
we, my <laughs> wife and I took a trip out to like the dragon country that's like utah, utah and some of like the national parks out there and we were trying to play a game where we could see if we could convince somebody that there was a national park where you could go see dinosaurs yeah we didn't but there was a couple people who for a second kind of were like wait a minute what that's a terrible story dude no but you good job convince people Finally. That dinosaurs still exist you're terrible um cool man anything Dra- else but yeah there's no dragon parks you don't know that there is in westeros I'll assume that's where this is set. Yeah. Yeah. I just, it's not for me, man. Well, more good. of a John Oliver guy. I watched that too, unfortunately. I need to get a Republican version of John Oliver out there. Yeah, but Republicans aren't funny. They don't have a sense of that's humor. That's not true. I'm definitely known as the funny one out of the no, two No, you're of the us. goofy one. You Don't mistake those two. Nah, I'm like, the, I'm like the Republican version of John Oliver. I'm pretty sure that's what they call me on the street. In that you're, in the in that you're like foreign and weird looking. But Oh my God racists uh cool anything else i don't think so i think uh, we can wrap this thing up come cheer us on at three o'clock on friday mm. at second ward high school or figure out what the hell periscope is and watch us on there and then uh, we'll keep you posted for the next round where you can see the fab five in action i love it this should be an office pool someone start see if you can create an office a bracket pool. Yeah, I can get somebody the bracket if they've got the skills to, to build it We'll out. do a bracketology episode. Yeah, man. Okay. All right. Let's call this thing quits. Over and out. Over. Quit it now.